0: For another edition of the Money Mitch Effect, and I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Hopefully, this is your favorite podcast because it's mine. I'm not just saying that because I host it. Two special guests on today's show Rob Crowder is going to join me to talk college football. Rob's my buddy uh, from NFL Network uh, a couple of years ago, and I works at Yahoo Sports. And we're going to talk college football. It was a crazy week that saw three of the top six teams go down, two in the great state of Washington. And then Clemson goes down to Syracuse. We'll break all that down, look at a crazy playoff picture and preview some games this week as well. And then Tom Weisenbach, another friend of mine that met during the NFL Network days as well. We're going to talk NFL football. He's up first on today's show. A lot of craziness there. His Philadelphia Eagles, 5-1. and one. Time for the best record in the league. We'll talk about that. The Chiefs, who's in their first game at the Steelers. And a wild and wacky week in the NFL that saw a lot of survivor pools take a major, major hit. It's Tom Weisenbach and Rob Crowder on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect back on the show. A recurring guest friend of the program, Tom Weisenbach, to talk NFL football. Tom, thanks for coming back. It's been far too long.
1: Yeah, it must be football season. it The last time I was here might have been in March when... Uh the NCAA tournament was around, right? We were so it's good that. to be back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we had to skip the summer. The summer was nice, it was relaxing, but we had to get you know down to business now. The back NFL the beach, yeah, back at you know I, I really do like this time of year, but the NFL season this year, it's reached a level of unpredictability that I don't know is always a good thing. I don't know that a lot of us even for how unpredictable this league is saw coming. On this past Sunday, in particular, I think underdogs were like ten and three. It was insane. You look at the standings; it looks like just a, just a sea of mediocre teams. And don't even get me started on what gambling looks like. But at the top of all of it are your Philadelphia
1: Eagles. What a start to the season! Five and one now.
0: They looking are great.
1: Five and one, looking great. They kind of snuck up on me this year. I didn't really, you know, everybody in the periphery, you know, working in, in the NFL and, and getting a lot of different national perspective and not hyper local any longer. You know, looking just at what the Eagles are doing and what the NFC East is doing. We're not, I'm not getting that much of that perspective any longer. So they kind of surprised me coming out the, it's this nice. <laughs> uh I was actually back in Philly when they lo- lost their only game of the year to the Chiefs, which was also a winnable game. Uh, and a good team. Good team, but I think they have the best front seven in the league right now. And and I would I would have predicted ten and six going into the season, and at this point, ten wins is the low end of what I'm expecting. You know, ten through twelve wins is kind of the expectation now.
0: Well, I do have to say I agree that their front seven is as good as any teams in the league and how they're playing. We haven't even started playing. out Carson Wentz yet. No, we haven't. Uh, well, let's talk about that now because decision making. You know, and I, I was I wouldn't say. His biggest fan or his biggest critic, but somewhere in the middle last year, was not as accurate as you'd like to see, especially down the stretch. Looks like a different quarterback this year. He really does.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that, again, has to do with uh, – well, last year, if you remember, the first month of the season. Four and one. He did really well uh, yeah. there as well. He had right tackle Lane Johnson, not suspended as of that point in time. I think that's huge. Now, you didn't have him on Thursday against the Panthers, but you're right. His decision-making is much more confident – He's truly developed a rapport with Zach Ertz. It reminds a lot of Philadelphians of the early connection between Chad Lewis and Donovan McNabb, mm. where young you know nothing helps a young quarterback more than a, a good veteran tight end, and and it looks like he's relying on Zach Ertz. He has these options on the outside that he didn't have before. Looks like Nelson Aguilar looks like a whole entirely different player from the slot this season, and yeah. and it looks like those wide receivers are gelling. And, and really have each other's backs. I don't know if that was the case in previous years.
0: Yeah, even if they're not having big games, no one's getting alienated. They're, they're all you know waiting their turn for the greater good of the team. I think with their defense getting back to them, it's interesting because that Carolina game, you saw Carolina throw the ball like 45 times or something ridiculous that they shouldn't be doing. But I think that's a credit also to the Eagles front seven because they're taking teams' run games away and making you have to throw on them. Uh, Jonathan Stewart had his worst game of the season. I think when you have a defense that can keep you in it and give this young quarterback a chance to make plays, there's been an element of good fortune to it. But you know, with a lot of close games. Once finding a way to win them, they're, they're five and one, and it could be six and zero, oh, it could be four and two, but five and one is a damn good place to be in right about now.
1: Five and one is a good place to be. You no, know, some people would be quick to point out that. That they played the Giants and the Chargers in that five and one, but they've also played the Chiefs and and the Redskins and and those. I mean, division games are never a gimme. You, we needed a uh, the Eagles needed a sixty one yard field goal from a rookie kicker to beat the Giants, the winless Giants at the time for a month, the winless Giants <laughs> until this but, week, yeah. But I think that's that's kind of a turning point. If they lose that game, it's quick to you can probably go on a three game losing streak. And that's that's kind of the, the, the line that NFL teams walk on a daily basis. People were picking the Giants to go to the Super Bowl in the preseason. Oh, I know. The line is that that thin. From from being a, a eight and eight team to a ten and six team, I, that could have been a turning point. Now, what also develops is chemistry as the year goes on. People have their back when the Eagles lose to the Chiefs. People clamor for Legarrette Blunt, who doesn't get the rock after that what do they do they run him he he has a great game against san diego new york now it seems like they have a workhorse running back
0: yeah no i agree with that and i think they're starting to find that balance offensively i don't know if you're worried at all based on what happened last year that they hit a little bit of a wall in the middle of the season but you want to win these games now set yourselves up where you can afford to bounce back after some losses but you mentioned how thin that line is this is what This week in the NFL symbolized that more than anything. I mean, look at Green Bay in that game. Like Aaron Rodgers goes down. They went from, in one play, being a Super Bowl contender to probably not going to make the playoffs in a second.
1: And that's the other thing that that the Eagles' early success is is worrisome. It's, again, with that caveat of if everyone stays healthy, this could happen. That's why predicting things in the NFL is is kind of uh, foolish. Not, you know... Everybody's going to do it, of course. It's going to get your clicks and your ratings, but um, it's all about health. And, and if one guy goes down, that's super important. We see in the NFL this year with Odell Beckham Jr., J.J. Watt, Dalvin Cook.
0: Now Aaron Rodgers. Now Aaron yeah.
1: Rodgers. It's it's a tough year for, for the big stars in the NFL. It is. And that Rodgers injury hurts a lot because, I mean, he's a
0: star in the league. It's better when he's in it, when he's playing at his apex, when they're that tough team to beat. Uh, that swung not only that game that the Vikings were able to win, but it's swinging in that division, the NFC playoff outlook. Minnesota, who barely beat the Bears, who's been up and down. Bradford starts out so hot and then hasn't been able to play or play well. Case Keenum's a solid backup. We don't know if Teddy Bridgewater's going to come back now. But with all those question marks, given the fact that Aaron Rodgers is out, everybody, reasonably deservedly so, I should say, is picking them to be the better team. It's crazy how this game works. I mean, one guy goes out, and now a team like Minnesota, which has question marks everywhere. I mean, or Detroit, if you're feeling froggy about that team that just
1: can't stop Not anybody Not after this anymore. week, though, in yeah. the results-driven week-to-week business <laughs> yeah. that is the NFL. Uh, that game was absolutely out of control, by the way, if we're going to switch Bears, gears right. and talk. I mean, no, Detroit, Detroit Lions, Saints. New Orleans yeah, Saints.
0: 45. To t- they almost completed the greatest comeback in NFL. Not almost,
1: but it would have been. But that game was just... <laughs> On another level, as far as the, one of the craziest I've ever seen. But back to the the, the Minnesota Vikings, yeah, uh, yeah they, they probably are the favorite, and and it's because of that defense. It's it's if you, the other team can't score, you have a good chance of winning, and if you can run yeah. the ball, and it looks like Jarek McKinnon's going to have to fill in for Adrian Peterson slash <laughs> slash um, Delvin, Dalvin Cook yeah. slash the lack of Latavius Murray productivity. So I think, you know, how long that yeah. will last, who knows. I still want to give Green Bay a chance because we've seen this play out in Green Bay before with a backup quarterback stepping in and, and having a few years under a great quarterback's belt and, and do some good things. And with a week-to-game plan, I'd like to give Brett Huntley that chance to, mm-hmm. before I write off the Packers.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not sure if Rodgers can even come back. It's not looking good. Um, you want to see Stephon Diggs play through the Vikings because they need him out there to be that game-changing type team. And the, and the NFC North just went south in a hurry mm-hmm. right away. Um, but, yeah. I did, it's the funny. NFC North went AFC yeah, South real did. quick. It's so quick. <laughs> and that's a, I do. Uh, we should spend a moment on that Saints-Lions game because that – it's – first of all, for all you Mike Thomas fantasy owners, when you score 50 and your team scores 52 points and he doesn't even put up like three points.
1: Somebody sitting next to, to me it. was, was clamoring. 53 points for the Saints and Drew Brees had 11 fantasy points.
0: But it's – the Lions are – are very fascinating because every year they find a way to just let their defense completely go wheels off immediately. Stafford refuses to give up, but they're just kind of winging it out there. Like, I don't watch the Lions and think, wow, this is a team that has an idea what they're doing. They're just like, oh, we're
1: down 20. Let's just start swinging the ball around and what? see what happens. I don't think that that game in particular was on the defense. The game started off with a. Touchdown mm-hmm. by the New Orleans Saints defense. Whoop whoop. You know, sound the alarms. The New Orleans Saints defense <laughs> showed up to a game. Yeah, okay. They had three touchdowns, you know, fumble recovery in the end zone, pick six, pick six by Cameron Jordan in the end zone after the defensive lineman for the for the Lions did the same thing five minutes before. So it's just unbelievable it's, game. But again, that, I don't think that was on the defense. Right. That game just kind of got out of hand and then, yes, the Lions had to chuck the ball around. You know, I think the Lions have also made a concerted effort to get Amir Abdullah involved in games early. Clearly, that didn't happen when you go down three, four touchdowns. Yeah, it is true. I mean, in the first half,
0: Carolina got up on them big, and you start to see Detroit not being able to run the ball. I never thought they were that good to begin with, so this doesn't surprise me. But the Saints were my last wild card pick in the NFC, and and uh, they started out 0-2. But hey. They got a good chance of anybody right now. Well, if it's, that defense can start rolling, and we know what
1: Drew Brees has, and they have those tall, a receivers, solid, running short game quarterback, now. tall receivers, and now a defined running back, and game a defined now. running game with the two-headed monster that is Alvin Kamara and, Mel, and uh, I keep calling him Melvin, Melvin Ingram. Ingram. Mark, yeah, because, it's a tough debate <laughs> now who the better Ingram is. I mean,
0: I mean Melvin's <laughs> been passing him recently, but Mark, I mean, God, if there was a happier player to have. No Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Mark Ingram looked like a new man out there.
1: I still I still have no idea why or how Mark Ingram hasn't established himself as a, as a bell cow back in this league because year after year, he kind of proves that he has the talent, but he always ends up on the Saints team who kind of runs the ball begrudgingly week to week.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, – yeah, you know what's weird is he's had some injury issues in the past, but I'm with you. I think he, he proved it. That signing of AP made no sense. It just didn't fit what they were about, and then I don't know if that was the only market there for him. But you know, AP did well this week in Arizona, and it's the funny trade that works out for everybody. They just needed to get him out of the running back room. Kamara as that change of pace back, and Ingram as the bell cow.
1: Well, they may not have known what they had in Kamara. I mean, obviously they knew that they had a, a, a hard physical runner, but they didn't know what he was like in the passing game. Can we talk about Arizona Cardinals and the resurgence of veteran running backs? This is now the third in my lifetime, I believe, with Emmett Smith, Edger and James. Okay, okay, let me just
0: Al- Adrian Peterson. Let me just stop you there. Third resurgent? because Emmett Smith didn't exactly res- revive any third career. veteran running back. That it is played they, there. <laughs> they are they are the place for running backs to go out to pasture in the desert. But Edger and James had a good couple years before his career ended, and maybe this is the case for AP now too. I don't know. That game was another weird one. So let's just. I'm happy for AP. I didn't think he was completely washed the first games of the year. I just didn't think he was in the right situation. He may or may not have a couple of years left. But that was a very weird game. Very weird. Tampa Bay, another team like Oakland, like Tennessee, that everyone just – you could call it the hard knocks, jinx, or whatever, but everyone I wanted to I thought they were it.
1: the one team on hard knocks that didn't look good. Oh, yeah. Well – a lot of people hype them up, and I don't. I think it was more than just the hard knocks thing. They constantly had bad practices in yeah. those hard knocks episodes, and and it seemed like that the only bro, like the the only positive venture about that team was was Jameis Winston's positivity and and the bromance between Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. But other than that, I don't. I mean, Gerald McCoy was a great character, but I don't think
0: yeah. that
1: led me to believe that they were going to be a playoff team. That division's tough.
0: It is, and I'm just tired of. Okay, teams like these young Raiders, young Titans, that we're just going to assume, they're going to make the leap. They have all the young talent. The NFL is only 16 games. Every game matters. Patriots come on a short week. Their defense is vulnerable. Win that game, you know, with the Cardinals. Like, that's what we're going on the road. Arizona's a solid team, not a, what we would think is a playoff team, but you never know. Win that one. And, again, their defense doesn't show up early. Jameis Winston has been – I mean, you know he got hurt in this game, but he's too up and down to be an elite-level quarterback at this point in his career. You can say it's – a. It's a Cam Newton type comparison in the sense that Cam's first couple of years in the league, he didn't have that consistency. Maybe Jameis gets there. I know I like a lot of his his big throws, but he's too up and down for me to trust right now. And as you said, that division is so tough. That you just it have about three the teams make it in. and they could be the fourth one on the outside.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's still a whole lot of football left to be played, but it's gonna be fun to see what happens in that division once those teams start playing each other and Carolina Panthers with with Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Stewart, and the Devin Funches kind of appearing. Cam Newton banged up still might hurt them in their case for the for the playoffs. I know he's he's not really the same player he was in Super Bowl year Superman Cam Newton. Now he flashed right. that in the first quarter, but he's still if you hit me, I'm going to start pouting and not not and do And just it well. throwing
0: it up. There was some bad play calling on Carolina's part in that game too. Um, I know Stewart didn't have a good game, but they you know they didn't. They didn't give him as honest a look as I would like. Newton just threw the ball up a lot without really looking. We'll say this though: Funches he's is a nice problems. weapon to have on their team, and Ed Dixon being better than Greg Olson is something I don't think
1: anybody saw coming. That could be scheme and lack of preparation <laughs> on I, on the defensive part. A two better. week surprise, but he's
0: not actually better, but he's producing high, at a higher level. It's yeah. like I didn't. I mean, how long has that guy been in the league?
1: <laughs> it's his. I think I I saw a stat that 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 game he had. This, two weeks ago, he had the same or more, surpassed his receiving yard mark for the last six years combined, which <laughs> Why not, I don't right? even need to check. And it's probably true. Yeah.
0: Those are the stats you don't need to check. It's
1: like, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. And then and then again, in that division, you have the Atlanta Falcons, who who it seems like are disappointing. What? Four and one. Four and two. Okay. Or a disappointing. No, wait.
0: Three and. Yeah. Wait. They were on a bye, So they're three and two. Three and two. A disappointing three and two. <laughs> Well, okay, Money Mitch Effect, Tom want This is the perfect time to talk about this. It's the perfect time to talk about this because this Sunday was as ridiculous in terms of upsets as I can remember, especially if you had a survivor pool. Odds are you probably lost this week. If not three weeks if ago. If not three weeks ago. Two games in particular make zero sense, and number one being the Falcons losing at home Coming off of a bye week, they lost the Bills at home two weeks ago. Okay, the Bills, you know, solid team, good defense, good coach, McDermott.
1: That was again at home. Yeah, but all right, you know, I, I could
0: see those games happening sometimes in the NFL, those upsets. They're off of a bye at home against the Miami Dolphins. Jake Keller hasn't thrown for more than like 150 yards in a month. And they lose at home, up 17 to nothing.
1: I actually saw that they were <laughs> up 17 to nothing, stopped watching that game. Oh, until, I didn't even check it. Until was, the final yeah. and, and looked up and said, wait. Wait, they lost? Matt Ryan was my starting fantasy quarterback, and I still didn't know that <laughs> that they were in that bad of shape or it, the game was even that close late in the game. But, that, yeah, uh, unfathomable losing leads like that, and and it just shows that with the pass-happy league that we're in, anything can happen. If the clock stops on incompletions, yeah. and, and if you're – The only thing that the the only Sark's
0: fault. Yeah, the only two things I can come to any sort of semblance on this, and and I got to give the Dolphins credit for all they've been enduring on and off the field to to play it out and win that game. One being, no Vic Beasley matters. Mm -hmm. I think he is the guy that makes their defense go. He led the league in sacks last year. Without him, you don't have any real distinct threat to get to the QB, and I think that changes how other teams are able to play. But number two being, maybe it is Sark's fault. Shanahan had that problem in the Super Bowl. They whatever I don't know if they don't trust their running game if they don't like to just grind out long drives but whatever it is they're all about throwing the ball they they want to be true to themselves and that's fine but if you're not scoring you're giving the team the other the other team the ball really fast
1: that's really unfortunate too because they have two one of the better tandems in the league with know, Coleman and Freeman and and a banged up receiving core so you would think if they go up 17 to nothing that they would like to take the pressure off of them sustain drives keep the clock running. And maybe even get a little creative with it, run some draws, run some you know, sweeps. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy at the bar just shouting general football I would terms, be but.
0: very frustrated if I was a Falcons fan because I think talent-wise, top to bottom, this is the best team in the league. I the would, t- I would take them on both on all three sides of the ball with everybody healthy. I know that's a big caveat, but I like that team. And this is a weird year, I know. Maybe they're not the best that Super Bowl hangover
1: year that you can never really kind of prepare for. You've seen that success. You played a lot of football in the wintertime. Nobody really knows how to prepare after a loss of the Super Bowl to get back at it. Maybe you're working too hard in the offseason to get back at it. Maybe you took too much time off because you worked so hard. And, And I'm not sure if that Super Bowl hangover isn't a real thing right now. Seems like it. But I will say
0: even more ridiculous than that loss. And I thought we had a lock for our biggest upset Ridiculous! I thought the lock would have been the
1: Jets and New England Patriots, well, but that want, uh, wasn't get, a
0: touchdown. I want to get to that. Oh, I want to get to that in a second. But even more crazy than the Dolphins being the Falcons to me are the winless Giants going to Mile High with no receivers and being the Broncos.
1: That's a head scratcher.
0: Try to try to walk me through this. Walk me off the ledge here of, of thinking about this. When a team has no passing game, they have no, they, none of their top three receivers are playing. Eli Manning looks like a shell of himself. You're at home. You have a great Great defense and can adjust to stop the run. How do you let Orleans Darklaw run for 100 yards and lose to this team? They can't throw the football.
1: There's I no, have no I, idea. Yeah, I, 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 a big, I, you know, full disclosure, I didn't watch a whole lot of that game except for the Janoris Jenkins pick six, which I saw as it happened, and and plays like that can swing a game in your favor. I, Trevor Simeon had to go out and Brock had to yeah. come in for some spot See, duty, and it and in in a flow of the game scenario like that, and if. It's a really big deal that they change play calling, you know, Mm -hmm. that maybe that's just an offensive rut that Denver wasn't prepared for that style of offense. And and in the NFL, it seems like coaches love to outsmart themselves to lose. Mm -hmm. games. Well, I think part of it is just
0: not being ready to to know what's probably coming for you. The Giants ran the ball early and the the Broncos were shocked. But come on. Like, what do you think they're going to do? The other side of it is, and this is where I, an underrated aspect of the great coaches, a Belichick, even an Andy Reid, or, or you know, you look at the historically great coaches, it's not always about blowing teams out. It's about securing the win. And I look at what the Patriots have done. They win a lot of close, ugly games, we'll call them, where you think, wow, they only beat this bad team by seven points. But in this situation, I got to think a team like the Patriots is like, we're just going to run the ball. We're not going to take any undue chances. This team can't really move the ball. Why risk it? So the Broncos come out kind of pass-happy, Simeon's off, the pick-six happens. Then they're losing, and their quarterback's out, and you just put yourself in a bad situation. It took nearly a perfect storm, but the Giants
1: played a smart, simple game, and Denver just wasn't ready for it. And whenever you take the eye off the ball in the NFL, you're going to get, you know, hit in the face with it, so... Well, that's what we talk about. Anybody can beat anybody in any given day. And
0: that is the exact reason why when we look at point spreads and gambling opportunities, I always encourage everybody that's interested in those sort of things, go college instead of pro. Because at the pro level, they are all professionals. I mean, other than maybe the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Money Mitch effect time. Well, they're still getting paid. (laughs)
1: Barely. How do you barely. feel about the the quarterback situation for the Cleveland Browns? Is it was it a, a waste of a fire? Yes, it is. Well, was dumpster. it a draft? Uh, a, let me give you three options and okay. then I'll let you elaborate. Well, yeah. would you a like to see Deshaun Kaiser just continue to suffer his growing pains? B. Wish you drafted Carson Wentz in, instead of making that trade, or C. All of the above. I don't know. Other. What's the other? <laughs> Well, what, you know, I'm glad you user's asked that.
0: choice. Okay, first thing to address because I know a lot of people have said, look at, look at Deshaun Watson, look at Carson Wentz, look at all these good young quarterbacks that are having success early that the Browns passed on, and yeah, there is that regret potential to be there. But I think the joke is it's like giving those guys to the Browns would be like giving like a bald guy a hairbrush. Mm-hmm. What could they actually do with it? What would Wentz look like, but with that team that has a pretty shoddy offensive line? No playmakers. Kenny Britt's just stealing money. The running game is, is not much better. So to answer the original question, I would say let Kaiser have his growing pains. I was fine with them taking him in the second round and seeing, you know, throw, running up the flag pulse. Does, Steve, Kevin, Hogan, flies. does ha- Kevin Hogan have a chance at this job? No, he doesn't. But the thing is, like, I, I don't think Kaiser was a quarterback of the f- future or a, a sure thing, I should say. He took him in the second round. He's the best quarterback in camp. Okay, let's see what you got this year. That's not going to change my outlook on next year in a quarterback-heavy draft with all that ammunition.
1: That was my next question. Taking the quarterback there, you are. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're not even looking at Saquon Barkley if he's there.
0: No. Uh, no. Well, because so it's it the run game we're we're that, that makes that the quarterback. Two. Where they have two firsts and two seconds, I believe next year. That's let's what I was see. talking to my dentist let's about. See, today. Let's see how the chips fall, right? Let's just—I mean, all these hypotheticals are great, and it's hard to say right now, Saquon Barkley or. But I want to know where we are. I want to know where the other teams are, before I can say that, mm-hmm. because we were just talking in the college football segment. There could be four, four to five first-round quarterbacks this
1: year. We're talking it's, the LA quarterbacks, Donald Rosen. Darnold Rosen. Allen at
0: rising Allen up the draft Wyoming board.
1: Allen Wyoming Wyoming was always at the top of the draft board since the start of the season. Gotta, I saw week one, and yeah. he didn't impress me, but, you know, he doesn't you have you got to give love
0: to Mike Leach's boy, Nick Falk, out of Washington State. He's a guy that's climbing as well. Jake Browning?
1: Browning, not as much.
0: I mean, Lamar Jackson's another wild card that we're not sure. And then, I mean, Mason Rudolph on the back end, even mm-hmm. maybe a Baker Mayfield. The point is there's going to be quarterbacks in that class. For the uh, Browns to mess up on. I'm, I, I call it the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, for the Browns to mess up on. That's good. Uh, I felt, call it the Seattle Seahawks method. Just add a bunch of guys to that room. Did they know they were striking gold on Russell Wilson? No. I mean, nobody knew that he was going to be this good. But they took a flyer on a guy in the third round they thought had something. And they weren't afraid to play him when he was good enough. So that's my thing. This whole team is terrible. The defense is awful. They've given up you know 25-plus points every week of the season. So...
1: Yeah. Would you rather them build their defense or build an offense or tr- try to build them defense or try to build an offense first and, I, and I, starting from the line, the, I guess. The,
0: the answer is a little two-folded because I, I'm a defense-first guy, but maybe my eyes have been opened with this Browns team because you can't just have no skill players. and that's Duke Johnson is a change-of-pace skill back. That's pretty much it. I
1: like, think that's pretty much their option. They've already tried to do the the whole like offensive line building with uh, Joe Thomas. Yeah. I mean, wait, when the future was bright, and they oh, started. I'm so Joe sad. Th- he's the
0: one athlete that I actually feel bad for his career body of work, even with you know making the money that he's made. It's just never been on a winner. But yeah. I digress. That's, that's enough a Browns, lot of Browns talk. talk. I do last thing on this week that Jets Patriots game, because I know the Pats are in trouble, Tom. It's not. I mean, say they're in trouble. They could be the first seed in the AFC this year, but it's the worst their defense has looked in a while. Thank God the refs were able to give them that gift of <laughs>
1: that touchback. I just heard we Barretto Riveron describe explain ha, this decision. Ha. Because I, we
0: watch a lot of football. We've seen a lot of replays and and at things explained. And even when you don't agree
1: with it, you hear the logic, the reasoning. I still say false to this one because I'll they tell you what it. I'll tell you what they said. <laughs> Now, Alberto Riveron is the new Dean Blandino, the new um, Mike Pereira, and and even those guys disagree with this decision. But with that play, the runner, before getting to the goal line, bobbles the ball. Now they use they they call that a fumble, and in order to reclaim it with possession as your fault, they, they now. After the ball was, quote, fumbled, you then, the rules of a catch allegedly apply. Oh, my God. And so now he has to control the ball throughout the process of, like, rolling over, in which he didn't do that. So the way he explained it, he's clear in that, well, this is obviously a fumble. I disagree with that decision. I think it's a You know, it looks like a touchdown. It is a touchdown. I still, like, he didn't fumble it. The ball didn't hit the ground. I still believe that it's, like, in your possession, and then you, the ball crosses the, the plane, and it, it still, to me, looks like a touchdown. Call in the field stands. Yeah, like you
0: know. we're in a vortex, or I don't know if you watch Stranger Things, but it's like the upside down right now, instant replay. We've gone too far, and it's not just football. Look at baseball. Like, I don't want to see if a guy's a fraction of an inch off the bag. In hockey, I don't want to know if a, if a skate was one fraction of an inch off the blue line. There's got to be a human element in this. And if we go to the rules of a catch, I, you had me there because that – I mean, those rules are absurdly detailed a, as they are. Yeah, I don't – man, anytime – I mean, it's funny, funny. The joke I saw was only in the NFL could they see this play and award the ball to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And we all laugh about how the Patriots are getting preferential treatment at times. But
1: you got to huh. wonder. Referees. referees. Don't get me started on referees after Thursday night football.
0: No, don't like Pete Morelli. Referee
1: there was a, a legitimate <laughs> petition – Signed by m- over fifty thousand fans to not have P. Morelli ref an Eagles game anymore because That's great, but it'll the discrepancy <laughs> over the last three games was like forty penalties to like ten. Yeah. I'm sure Goodell will look and like well, 400 I'm sure yards Raj will look long
0: and hard at that position. One
1: hundred percent outrageous,
0: but I digress. That yeah. I, call is just. I mean, the Patriots were the better team at the end of that game, and I think would have won either way. But man, and just. you
1: see so many uh, to to your point about over analysis and, and review is we've seen especially with major league baseball but but back to football you've seen so many calls on the field stand because of lack of evidence and i get it i totally get that okay the initial human
0: person said hey i think this is a catch you okay You're like, i don't know but the person that was there said it was a catch we're just going to go by what he says i get that completely even when i haven't agreed with it this is just
1: i'm looking at old highlights too where uh, you know this guy has the giant you know, in nineteen eighty four the Giants and Rams played and, and one of the teams had three safeties in one quarter. I'm looking at one of these safeties going, That wouldn't be a safety if yeah, it was th- in th- review. You know, He's tackled on the two <laughs> yard line, they called it a safety. That's the
0: next step. We're gonna go back retroactively, change outcomes of games, plays, vacate wins. Vacate wins, give no that's balls. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's where we at with the NFL. Hi, Money Mitch Effect, Tom Weisenbach. I do want to spend the last couple minutes of this segment talking about some big games this week. Thursday night game starts with Chiefs-Raiders. Chiefs lose to the Steelers, which Pittsburgh's your classic. Beat good teams, lose to bad teams. Um, You're going to lose games. I'm
1: not... Chiefs aren't aren't a perfect team. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. Even though it wasn't their best. Steelers team. broke up the 2004 or five Eagles. Andy Reid perfect season. They've broken up the Patriots. Uh, perfect, you know, potential yeah. perfect season. Just rising for big games and coming back after a loss. Uh, perennially beat the Chiefs. So that that really wasn't a surprise to me. Must win for the Raiders. Two and four. Oakland Raiders. Wow. I don't know
0: why or how that happened. Amari well, Cooper is, it, is he going to win uh, least improved?
1: <laughs> player, like, because this is just absurd. Are they relying on the Marshawn Lynch effect a little too much? I haven't, again, admittedly, haven't watched very many Raiders games. I, I only, I only really judge the Raiders based off of uh, Team Anamiri's <laughs> reactions behind me that during work on Sundays good. at the National Football <laughs> <laughs> League. It was a very big yes this week, so I, I'm assuming they won a, a squeaker. No, no lost to the Chargers. Of course, by 2 on the last second field goal. That is right. 2 and 4. Chargers
0: back to 2 and 4. A
1: surprising win for the Chargers in a close game. I mean, but too bad I, nobody I, cares about the Chargers winning in that stadium they, they, when uh, they play there. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the Raiders don't lack heart. They I mean, they don't lack leadership. I I just think it's one of those thin line issues that we, you know, we've discussed. They've lost a lot of those those uh close games. Again, another Super Bowl Popular Super Bowl contender pick, and and that division is just as murky. Aside from the Chiefs, who run away with it. Well, the Broncos are now what four and two. They're
0: three and two now. They had the bye week, and they lose this game to the Giants, so they're four and one. So they're probably right there. I mean, I don't that that might be looked back at as an explicable loss. I think the Broncos are still right in the thick of the playoff picture. I do want to watch. Bengals-Steelers to see who gets ejected. Probably is Perfect. But if the Bengals win this game,
1: then the AFC North just turns into a clown show, too. <laughs> yeah, people were writing off Andy Dalton after week one and two and those pitiful performances. But, yeah, it's the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, that that does seem like a good game, though, in a, in a week that doesn't really have that marquee matchup game. You know, the logos look good, but I don't know if the players in the uniforms, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> no, there, this isn't a great week. Um, I, I'm curious, as you are, to see Brett Hundley against the Except Saints. Except for Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, we'll get Sunday to that. Night. But I'm, I'm curious to see Brett Hundley against the Saints. That's one to kind of look forward to. And if the Cowboys, the, the curious case of Ezekiel Elliott unfolds, how that goes. We think he's playing now. By the time the you top. listen to this, he might not be playing. But the Niners, I know they've – The Niners are going on one of the worst losing streaks slash best gambling streaks I've ever seen. Owen 6 Five straight games by three points or less. Yeah. Incredible. Like, I don't – you know (laughs) what the odds of doing that are? I have no idea. It's insane that they haven't won yet. They could beat Dallas, like, very – That would be nice.
1: That's, again, like, the logos makes you reminisce about the 90s, you know, Aikman and Young and Rice and –
0: Yeah. Well, the best games are – Urban and Dion. I just – the Ezekiel thing, like,
1: I – whether or not he did anything. We're at that Brady
0: point where now I don't even really care. Is it care. the
1: NFL or is it the NFL trying to just make its point that it's the league? Or is it the player? This players, one I have an issue. The I players have signed up for this bargaining agreement. and <laughs>
0: the Trouble figuring out what side I'm Goodell on this one. doesn't even have to be right in his investigation. And, and I'm not saying he is or he isn't in this case because we don't know. But... They agreed to he's the one-man judge and jury. The only thing they can argue is that it wasn't a fair process. So you're just stalling for time. Which he is, yeah, inconsistent. But I
1: I really don't like the precedent that was set with the Tom Brady issue and the deflate gate where this can continue and now it's going to continue every other year with another player or another incident. You have a
0: work stoppage potential. That's why I'm thinking it could happen because when you sign up a but collective bargaining agreement, and you agree to these terms, he can do whatever he wants. It sucks. And I don't. And I want to see Zeke play for the good of the league, but if he deserves to be punished, he deserves to be punished.
1: Now, uh, a, a Cowboys discussion point, I guess I would like to bring up with you, would be if they don't make the playoffs, is this a fluke year based on distractions caused by Roger Goodell? Excuse? Is this a distractions brought on by Jerry Jones? Excuse? Because remember, their season started with the firing of Lucky Whitehead for a crime that he was not in the, <laughs> he state for. in the state for. Yeah, I think it's and it continued with the Ezekiel Elliott thing. Now Jerry Jones puts his foot in his mouth Great again point. after the, the, the this newest distraction with the anthem. Can we, can we issue? Can we pie chart
0: this though? Because I agree with all of what you said, but it's also they outperformed. They won a lot of close games last year. They kind of snuck up on everybody. The natural decline and the, the divisions transfer. deeper. Redskins and Eagles are both significantly better than they were last year. So, I mean, we got to just... I I think the distractions are a part of it, but... Again, I think they'll just blame it on distractions. (laughs) Redskins-Eagles, though? Monday Night Football? Heck yeah, man! You can go for the season sweep against them. Games in
1: Philly. After not winning a game in six games. Three years, it was before we beat them once. And now we're almost expecting to beat them again. It's the same. I would say
0: this is a coin flip game. I know the spread's like four and a half, but the Redskins... That week one game was a great game. Eagles make the play That ended on a controversial call.
1: Fletcher Cox sacks Kirk Cousins as he's throwing the ball. Many Eagles fans would even tell you they thought it was an incomplete pass. Another reviewable (laughs) offense that stood on the field. And I think it stood as a touchdown because it was called a touchdown on the field. And I think it was called a touchdown on the field because they wouldn't know that it would go to review.
0: So, (laughs) yeah, and that's another precedent that we're not really I'm not entirely like I get why they do that. But sometimes, yeah, then they're just like,
1: I'll just go to review. So this game's a a big one. Another division rival. It's going to be we're done with the the Redskins after October. I don't really like kind of weird, but maybe not done, though. It would be a playoff match. Well, that's true. But, you know, in that seating discussion, having not played the Cowboys yet is, is a head scratcher. But as far as scheduling is concerned. As far as the game's concerned, I don't know who the Redskins are. Their defense went on looks very, very tenacious. As um, does
0: their offense. I, you know what? I, okay, let's just say this: Josh Norman, if he plays, he's healthy because you know he's he's had some injury issues this year. Game-changing corner. They got a good front seven. The secondary was that weak area, but they do hit hard <laughs> with DJ Swearinger back there. Offensively, Terrell Pryor is making me eat my words because the guy's looking a lot better. And Dotson Dotson is finally playing. We've been waiting for the chiefs. If he
1: has hands in that, in that game
0: scored last week, he's maybe getting there. So they are that wild card team
1: right now. And that's the big matchup is the, the Redskins wide receivers versus this young inexperienced, but rapidly improving secondary for the Eagles. There were so many questions surrounding young cornerbacks and they really went to that. Well, a lot in the draft, the Philadelphia Eagles did. Mm -hmm. And, and, with Ronald Darby going down, they made a trade for him and and it seems like the secondary hasn't missed a beat since Darby's gone down Patrick Robertson, Russell Douglas really they they've taken a page out of the Steelers book yeah. or not I'm sorry the Seahawks book by getting these tall lanky long armed cornerbacks yeah. who are not intimidated by these uh shifty even big wide receivers
0: I think it's that little wall that the Eagles tend to have at just about every game this year I mean I know you've noticed it more than I have. But they're up on the Giants. They come back. You know, the Panthers go on a little scoring spree. It seems like it's around that second quarter time where just things start. Even the Chargers had some success, too. So. But that
1: depends on the turnovers, too. A lot of the, the success of the Eagles' mm-hmm. offense has been predicated on field position and turnovers mm-hmm. driven by the we'll defense,
0: see. which is a good sign. Sunday night game, Falcons-Patriots, Super Bowl rematch, and Foxborough. There's going to be a lot of 28-3 oh, signs. Did they play a game? I think they did. How many 28-3 signs are we, are we going to see?
1: Oh, several. It's several. in New England. It's
0: in New England, Sunday yeah. night. I'd be worried about How that. How many will we
1: see? There should be an over-under on that. I wish there were as many prop bets as there were from the, for the Super Bowl game.
0: <laughs> Pats are three-and-a-half-point favorites, but I feel like Atlanta – knows how big this game is, given that they've lost the two AFC East teams already. That's you
1: giving them the benefit of the doubt, just as you giving them the benefit of the doubt of coming off of a bye. Well, we so we just them talked them about the Falcons a few minutes ago.
0: Julio, Julio Jones game, is this the season game? Is this the I'm going for 200 receiving yards game against that secondary? Or is this
1: the game that secondary decides that they're mm, the Patriots secondary again? Well... Now I want to watch. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> now we, I'm excited. Now we must work for NBC or something. <laughs> this, uh, this is a must-watch game, for, and I think everybody's going to be tuned oh, yeah. in. And, and and who knows what we're going to get because this is the one that, that you watch for. All
0: right, Tom Weisenbach, Money Mitch Effect. Last thing before I let you go. We've done this new segment this year, new little thing this year, where instead of what we learned, I want to know where everyone was wrong. I like to admit mistakes. I've made a lot of them predicting the NFL this year. So what's something after this week or a trend this season that you're starting to realize, hey, my initial thought was a little off? Who surprised you, player team, either for better or for worse?
1: Um, that's a good question. Maybe the Jaguars, and especially their defense, you write them off every year as being the two steps away from being a playoff team, With if you're going to say that the Tennessee Titans are one step away from being a playoff team, the Jaguars are perennially the two, the two steps away team, and... and they have leaned on Leonard Fournette and maybe maybe my the thing i got wrong is the rookie running backs in the NFL that's the twofold thing where Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt have dominated where that's not normally the case when rookie running backs come into the league maybe that changes week 12 week 13 but at this point i would say the Jacksonville Jaguars and especially their defensive performance they're winning games, and they don't have Allen Robinson, which was their, their number one guy going in. Blake Bortles is average at best, and that defense is can, is keeping them in the hunt in that poor division. And the second thing that I think I didn't get right was the success of rookie running backs.
0: Even how deep they are, like even with some injuries, it's still good. I mean, I could say – Look at
1: Derrick Henry even a few years ago. Oh, yeah, second year. I mean,
0: really getting his first chance to – to get some big carries I would say I mean, the and Raiders,
1: Alvin Kamara geez another uh, one that that's actually making some noise the Raiders are an easy one
0: I mean I think that one just kind of goes <laughs> goes without saying but I would say I would say also Tampa Bay expected them to be a little bit better now I wasn't on that Super Bowl train but pushing for a playoff spot this team just does not look like it has it top to bottom so I don't know well Tom this is fun NFL another NFL week in the books I'm excited for this week NBA starting though so I know you're got a lot of sixer games to watch now too
1: yeah the the I will be on uh, Joel Embiid and his minutes restriction coming forward maybe we'll get together and talk about it if they go on a little tear here yeah I don't know, maybe I know he's not a big fan of it he's still on social media but we'll yeah I, we'll I, I I'm hoping they bring him in when they uh they go on an 0-10 run. You know, not an 0-10, but a, uh, a, you know, the other team goes on a 10 run. Hey, they say, Joe, go in there and get us back in contention and, then, Simmons, and then to close the game Simmons out. Simmons rookie of the year? He's my favorite young guy on the team, mm-hmm. maybe excluding Joel because he's such a, a dynamic force. Yeah. It's like
0: year four now though with him, so I know it's, I mean, Simmons is. But, I mean, yeah. game's
1: played. Yeah. That's kind of where, yeah. where Sixers yeah. have to go. <laughs> True. <laughs> Nerland's Noel was a veteran for that team. Jeez.
0: Well, I'm excited to watch them and other sports as well. Tom Weisenbach, this is fun. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks. All right, big thanks to Tom Weisenbach. Again, uh, his NFL takes are great. And I'm looking forward to what the future holds because we know the NFL is crazy up and down. But remember, replay. Don't let the machines win. That's all I'm saying. But thanks again to Tom Weisenbach for coming on today's show next up it is rob crowder to talk college football Some interesting developments we don't have as many undefeated teams as we did last week so more to talk about there and what the playoff picture looks like some conference races how his team oklahoma state and many others can rebound from early season losses rob crowder on the money mitch effect here it is now. All right, money, Mitch, in fact, i to talk college football first time in a while back on the show, I guess, from Yahoo Sports, Rob Crowder. Rob, thanks for rejoining the show. I think it's the first time with the new microphones, too. So
2: Yeah, you got a legit setup going I right know. here. It's
0: like I'm almost an adult. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but glad to have you back. It's maybe the best time of the sports season. I would put this up there with like April in terms of the most action going on. NBA starting, hockey starting, baseball playoffs are heating up, but it's still football season and we love talking college football and this is the time when it really gets good because we're starting to see the big upsets, the big dominoes fall, Rob. It was a weekend in which no ranked teams played each other, but we saw three top six teams go down. I I think the fall is here, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but I think the fall football season is finally here.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything got mixed up this week. I think we kind of see certain teams rising, other teams falling, but uh, no team is clearly safe. I mean, like most conference races are completely wide open now, except maybe the SEC with, with Bama just dominating. But, I mean, the Big 12 is a crap shoot. The ACC is a crap shoot. It's, it's going to get exciting here pretty quickly.
0: Well, even the SEC, I mean, Bama and Georgia appear headed for a collision course, mm-hmm. and given what's happened, there's a conceivable possibility that that could be there could be two playoff teams from the SEC if they're both undefeated at that point. There's a lot to get to, but of all the upsets, Clemson goes down, Washington State goes down, Washington goes down, and it's a shame. I just praised last week the football renaissance in the uh, in the Great Pacific Northwest, but <laughs> both Washington schools go down. But of those three upsets, Rob, which shocked you the most? Which were you the most surprised by?
2: Honestly, I, I think it was the Washington State one. It's it's kind of like the Mike Leach theory in the sense of like when he was even at Texas Tech. Whenever they would have a great season or seemingly look to be a contender, there would be one game where they just get completely shut down. Like Clemson, I think is going to be fine in the long run. So is Washington, but Washington State. I mean, they were just schemed by a three and three at the time, California Cal team, yeah. and. 37-3, to three. that's just, you well, know.
0: What's crazy isn't, I guess, the upset, but just how bad they got beat. Yeah. Of all the games, I thought maybe that would happen. And it's funny because Oregon, the Oregon game the week before, everyone thought that was a trap game, the first road game of the season. They played well. Maybe they just let their guard down after that. And Cal, who had a terrible showing against Washington, but had played teams pretty tough before that, just owned them. Syracuse-Clemson, that game had so many weird, you know, what WTF plot twists. And I think it starts with, you know, in all these upsets, you have to get a little luck. And you take out Bryant, you take out the quarterback, that's luck. Now, not a dirty hit, not a bad play, but that is an opening. And Syracuse took full advantage of that opening. Their offense was playing at an all-time high level, at a borderline unsustainable level. But they've got some of the best receivers in the country. Dungy's an athletic quarterback, and that's what it takes to beat a Dabo Sweeney defense. Still doesn't make any sense to me, though. Know, but I mean, I got to tip my hat to uh, Syracuse.
2: Yeah, I mean, Syracuse. You look at the recruits they get, where where they finish every year. They just They usually just don't have the depth to compete with these big teams. But uh, it seemed to be the right night in the Carrier Dome, and a lot of people this season predicted that you know Syracuse has the most tough schedule in the con- country this year. And they were gonna probably steal one at the Carrier Dome, and Clemson just happened to be, you know, (laughs) sitting on the tracks when Syracuse decided to figure it all out. It was
0: a perfect storm. I think you had a Friday night. You had a a situation where Clemson. I don't think they clemsoned. I don't know if we're bringing that back again, but they weren't really ready to play early. I think that's what gave Syracuse that confidence. It wasn't the Clemson that just stomps teams out. They've been through the meat of their schedule. And then you have Washington and Arizona State. I know it's Pac-12 after dark, and we're supposed to brace ourselves for anything and everything. But that game was ridiculous. It was sloppy. It was poorly played. It was poorly coached. Washington's kicking game was one of the worst I've ever seen. And some of the decisions by Chris Peterson, I like him. I think he's a great coach, but definitely not his best game.
2: No, not at all. I mean, Arizona State's kind of like the Texas Tech of the Pac-12. If you catch them on the wrong night, you could get lit up. Now, mind you, this was a you know a thirteen to seven game, so it was atypical for for an ASU team that usually puts up stats and points. I mean, Manny Wilkins two hundred forty five yards, but you're only getting thirteen points out of that, which seems <laughs> they, just so they abnormal. Owned that
0: game, and they only scored thirteen <laughs> points, and the whole time you're thinking Washington's still in this thing, and they were. It, it took some breaks. It took some poor decisions by the coaching staff. But Arizona State's defense making the plays. I mean, where where in the almanac does it say that's going to happen?
2: Seriously, I, I mean, you could ask our buddy Matt Wittenberg, who's been on the podcast, like he could not have picked that this would be that trap game, or at least like a trap game to this ex- extent where it's not a forty-five to forty-two or like you know a shootout. Like yeah. who would have guessed thirteen to seven involving Arizona State and Washington?
0: So yeah, Washington. Let's try to make sense. So Washington kills Cal. Cal beats Washington State then you have, you have Arizona State lose handily to San Diego State, who gets destroyed by Boise State. So nothing yep. makes sense this year. I mean, it's just – and then you have Syracuse beat Clemson, lose to Middle Tennessee. So yep. that's the college football season. That's where we're at right now. But I do want to kind of look at the rankings, Rob. And, and now we have a point where the playoff picture is muddled beyond belief. Because if you told me right now that the only conferences that have locks to have at least one team in – I mean they're probably just the Big 10 and the and the uh, SEC. Yeah. All the other conferences their bids are up for grabs. And I only say the Big 10 because of the numbers game. Bama, I mean we could count on Georgia, one of those two teams. But it is really going to be a free for all for those final two spots.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean the Big 12 is sniffing too. I mean potentially TCU and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. That's a, you know, the th- three horse race basically right now in the Big 12. So that's up for grabs, and then you look at the Big Ten: Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. If Ohio State wins out and steals one against Wisconsin or Penn State, you know that that's up for grabs as well. So I I really don't think we'll really know those last four spots until potentially the last week of the season, or or at least the conference championship games.
0: I mean, realistically, looking at the top at the top ten, top twenty, I'd say you can go all the way down to Michigan State at nineteen, and real or Michigan at nineteen. Realistically, say. That if any of those teams went out, they're probably going to the playoff. Definitely. I mean, we're in the middle, we're toward the end of October, and you could go 19 deep for a playoff spot. Insane.
2: Yeah. Insane. I mean, I I, I think back on other on other college football seasons, and I don't think there's one that's, that's really top to bottom as it is this year in terms of just talent within the top 20, and, like, there's been some ridiculous upsets already, and then you got, like, South Florida sniffing at – at, you know, potentially a playoff spot. I don't know. A lot of dominoes yeah. would have to fall, but that team's six and zero. And then Miami coming out of nowhere, honestly, this year, and they look really—I mean—dangerous in the sense that, like, they could win any night. It might not be pretty, but they could—they could pull it out every <laughs> did night.
0: Watch, did you watch the Miami Georgia Tech game? I watched how them Miami end of it. won that game. Oh, well, first <laughs> of all, I got to say one thing: maybe the dumbest decision to do an onside kick and execution of an onside. kick. Yes. Where they just stopped and let the Georgia Tech player run it right into the end zone. But they won. They won on a ridiculous tip, kind of fluky play in the swamp. It was raining so hard in that second half. But, hey, they got through the trap game. It's surviving in advance this time of year. The ACC being what it is. I mean, Miami appears to be the front runner for a spot in the title game.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and just playing against the Georgia Tech team, that's a nightmare on your schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to completely change how you play your defense or at least – stay more disciplined than you do in other games. And the fact that they were able to adapt and at least pull it out shows a lot of character by that, by that team.
0: There was another big game still chatting with Rob Crowder on the money Mitch effect that I do want to talk to college football this past weekend, the red river shootout, Oklahoma and Texas. And every year, and, and I just want to say it was an upside down weekend for a lot of people. It was a nightmare for a lot of gamblers. I'll throw myself into that one. But Oklahoma-Texas every year is a game that people say stay away from because you don't know what's going to happen. And that's true as much this year. Oklahoma was went from being the dominant team early in that game to being completely on the ropes for about two quarters of that football game to just figuring it out and reassessing and reassuring their dominance. I don't know if this is a microcosm of Oklahoma as a team, this rivalry game, but as a Big 12 guy, Rob, what did you see in this game? Is it Oklahoma, are they as vulnerable as they appear, or is this just the rivalry game and how it works?
2: I, I think there were a lot of factors at play. I mean, Oklahoma's defense right now is built for speed. They're not the traditional bruisers that they used to be. So the back end of games, you're starting to see them wearing down more than, say, their older teams that could could pack a punch, and they're not, they're not solely relying on being able to fly around. So I think that factored in a lot, and I think – the fact that Texas is really an up and down team this year. Like they are a quarter by quarter team. You don't know which Texas you're gonna get. So if you get a Texas that's locked in and their players are are flying to the ball and eager, like, they're dangerous. And I I think I think we definitely saw Baker kind of get complacent, but at the same time, like when OU is is trailing in a game, his stats are ridiculous. Mm. Like no interceptions and X amount of touchdowns. So I think I think that the sooner's defense kind of like let, the, let them back in and the sooner offense stopped producing, but Texas capitalized when they had to but I think when, Te- when, when OU got their backs against the wall that's when Baker's leadership and, and style really takes over.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a more like a little slower, more cerebral Manziel. like he's yeah. not going to be flashy as quick you know using his legs as much, but he uses them enough to create and you start to see it when it breaks down just how dominant he can be. But you get a defensive front, and I don't even think Texas is a great one. He can get beat up pretty good, and Texas was putting it on him pretty good in the se- in the second quarter or third quarter of that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's what kind of Iowa State did. They gave him a lot of crazy looks, and then instead of doing what he usually does, which is, you know, tucking and running or making the easy dump pass, he was trying to overthink every play and go deep. So I think for, clearly in the first half, he he was back to his old ways, and then the fourth quarter late, he he figured it out, but – there were definitely moments where he's he's clearly overthinking and not just reacting, and I think that's his strongest suit is him running, him being pressured in the pocket, stepping out and making a play rather than you know making a sitting in the pocket, making a read and and timing her out.
0: And I don't know that they have the athletes yet, but I like if this is the way they're going, this Texas style that Tom Herman has. We're not going to try to run and gun everybody, even in that conference. Be physical. They almost beat USC doing the same thing. They might get there. You know, we'll see. We'll see what his recruits look like, but I like the style there. Well, if you look at the rankings right now, Bama is one, and they just obliterate Arkansas. It's the same old Alabama yet again. Uh, Penn State, two, Georgia, three, and then TCU, four, in the top four right now in the AP poll. Penn State, look, I like them, 6-0, but their real tests are coming. So, I mean, we I think the jury's still out on a lot of teams. Penn State's one of them. Michigan, Ohio State are on deck. so let's see what they're made of which Penn State teams to start a game, I think is what we're all wondering to see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of immediately think of when Penn State played Pitt. I mean, Penn State played Pitt a week or two before Oklahoma State played Pitt, and Oklahoma State hung 50 on them in the first half pit Penn State only pulled that game out, I think by two touchdowns. So mm-hmm. obviously a difference of styles and, and play because, you know, one's a quick strike offense and one's more of a grinded and use Saquon to kind of beat you up. But I, I think Penn State is lucky in that they have the best player in college football. I don't think there's any conversation really there with, you think with Barkley. think he's
0: the best? There is yeah. one guy. Who's that? Bryce Love.
2: Yeah, Bryce Love. I mean, we've got to start
0: giving him credit. I know I say Barkley appears to be the more dynamic back, appears to be the better pro prospect, but I'm just looking at what they're doing in the college game. It's yep. funny. I'm usually on the other side of this argument. But Bryce Love, I, you can't not – I mean, I know it's Pac-12 and a lot of people on the East aren't getting to see his games, but – He's got, like, a 200, 300-yard lead on any rusher in the country.
2: So. Yeah, he's sitting at 1,300 yards uh, <laughs> through, through for the season. And I think he's – They, I think Seven the record games. that I saw – Yeah, exactly. That's obscene. Yeah. And I think I saw he set a record for, like, he had five straight games of a touchdown of 50 yards or longer, which – think about that. Yeah. I, I think I, I think back to teams that I watch, and I, I think – I can think of maybe two plus 50 runs in maybe 10 games, if that, from a team, not just one player. Yeah. So – that guy just is able to break games open, and and obviously Barkley's the same. And Barkley's more involved in the kicking game right. and and catching out of the back. He's got you know mm-hmm. a couple hundred yards there this season, and so. he's going
0: to get his chances against good teams. So that's yep. I guess that's what I'm saying. too. let's wait to see before we just anoint Barkley as the chosen one. <laughs> but TCU at four, um, you know they beat you guys, Oklahoma State. Yep. They've done everything that they've been asked of, including a tough, underratedly tough game against West Virginia. Are they this good, though? I mean, are we going to start to see them fall back to earth? Because the schedule's not getting any easier.
2: I, I don't know if they're necessarily fall back to earth, but I, I think they play a very specific style. And what they did against us was they exploited Mason Rudolph and and kind of put him in positions that he hadn't been in before and, and caused uh, four or five turnovers. So I think they're just a really well-disciplined defense, and their offense doesn't really try to do too much. Kenny Hill used to be the worst at throwing interceptions uh, two seasons ago. He had the highest rate in the country at one point. But right now he looks poised. He no one's to tuck and run. He no one's to throw it away. So I, I think we're really seeing just a Gary Patterson team that's that's well-coached, disciplined, and knows exactly what they need to go out there and do. And they don't need to get freaked out when they turn the ball over because, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah. So. I think TCU is right now deserves to be at four, but later in the season, do I think they will be? Probably not, just because they still have Oklahoma on their, on their schedule, and then they also have a conference championship, which is going to be most likely Oklahoma State or Oklahoma again. So they're going to have two huge games against teams that have respectively the first and third best passing quarterback mm-hmm. rating QBs in the country right now yeah man
0: this big 12 title picture is very fascinating to me because I don't know what the title game is going to be and then what the resume is going to be for that team you know with the playoff picture at stake so I think TCU is right where they should be they play a good style I think Patterson is is the perfect foil for a team in this conference play just enough defense under him you know so uh, we'll see there but the other teams in the top 10 Wisconsin at five, Ohio State at six, just keep mosing right along. Ohio State has a chance to play themselves back in. Miami undefeated is eighth, Clemson seventh, and then you have the two Oklahoma schools, Oklahoma nine and Oklahoma State. I'll ask you this about your Cowboys, because we know the lot we've talked about this off here, but the loss was uh, disheartening to lose a TCU, but everything's still right in front of you. Since that game, you know, I know the competition hasn't been as good. But have you been encouraged by what you've seen? Do you think they're gonna make a run at things? Do you think Rudolph and Gundy and the boys have put it behind them that loss.
2: Yeah, I mean you look at two of the last three seasons We have an early loss and then just clean house after that because you kind of figure out what your weaknesses are and where Where you can't really shoot yourselves in the foot so you look at Oklahoma State this past week And they play against Baylor and set a school record for most yards was 747 and then you have James Washington Who's got an absurd 34 catches for 865 yards? and six touchdowns you know you've got you got these big game players marcel you have two wide receivers in the top 30 in passing and receiving yards so And then mason rudolph is number two in the country in passing yards and number one in passing yards per game so the offense is there and then in terms of defense it's a bend but don't break so we've given up the fewest big plays in in the country of of more than 40 yards so far this year so basically we beat ourselves against tcu so going forward (laughs) we went out we end up in the title game potentially against ou or tcu again depending on how that happens now that being said Beating OU is a big, tall order. We've only beaten them 17 times out of, I think, 102 or... <laughs> I didn't
0: realize it was that yeah, bad.
2: It's really lopsided. So I think this year we kind of went into the season without the without the uh, little brother mentality. Like this year we were ready to punch him in the mouth. But that TCU, TCU loss, you know, really sucked the air out of our sails. But then you see Iowa State and what they did to kind of take OU out of their comfort zone and then what, what Texas did a week later. So... They're clearly vulnerable, and we just need to exploit it. And I think Gundy really needs to not be conservative like he has been in previous years, and he needs to open up the playbook and and see what happens. Well, that
0: Iowa State win was big for both TCU and Oklahoma State because that gives them one Oklahoma one in the loss column. So if you guys beat Oklahoma, it should be fine to control your own destiny to get that rematch with TCU. It's exciting. It's fascinating. And the other conference, Rob Crowder on the Money Mitch Effect, that has that same level of unpredictability as the Pac-12. Oh, man. USC saved their season this year. Saved all their title hopes against Utah. Utah team coming off a loss to Stanford. I can't figure out this USC team because either they're not prepared to start these games or their plan A just sucks. Because one way or another, they find themselves losing in a lot of these games. But I got to give Darnold, I got to give Helton and that defense a lot of credit because they do find a way to battle out. And they did. It wasn't pretty, a lot of it. But USC won. Are we gonna get to that point where we ever trust them to start, or are they just a tad overrated, or have always been? Maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of things going on in that locker room because you saw Darnold following the win this past or uh, two weekends ago, and he's he was basically saying like, "Hey, coach needs to open up the playbook." And then later in the week, he apologizes for what he said publicly, and then Helton says, "Oh, he never talked to me like he mentioned in the apology." So. Something's clearly going on there. Maybe, maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. Who knows? But there's certainly a little disconnect. Clearly, based on how they're starting these games, and I mean, the, you know, they play Western Michigan close, and then uh, then they beat up on Stanford. Like they're really across the board. So from the eye test, I think the team as a whole, yes, is probably overrated. But they have Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold is what's tipping the scale and, the other and way. And two
0: really good running backs too. Yes, I mean, they exactly. Are, they're skilled out the wazoo, as we would say. But they have a lot of tough – and given the fact that everybody's beaten everybody so far, a lot of conference losses, Tiebreakers are going to play a key, a key factor in this. Washington USC just got a lot bigger in that game because that's going to be huge. It's going to eliminate one team. We'll see what happens with Washington State, Washington. It's very, very fascinating. I, I will say – I want to remind everyone, Clay Helton was 1-3, and, and a lot of people thought it was terrible that they promoted him to full-time head coach. And they went on that immaculate Cinderella win streak, won the Rose ball, everything was fine last year. But he's not far removed from being the guy that nobody really wanted as the permanent head coach. So we'll see. Darnold it's probably going to the pros next year. He's got to build the program without a uh, cornerstone NFL player. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough ask. And before we go to the games this week, Rob, but sure, I want to get the, the new, if you have new evaluations for some of these quarterbacks going forward. I know you're a Rudolph guy, Darnold. Rosen's team's terrible, but his numbers are still pretty good. Allen in Wyoming, who doesn't really have a lot to work with. And then the newcomer on this list is Luke Falk out of Washington State. I can't think of a time when it's been a deeper class of potential NFL players at the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, I think with this year, you've got a lot of guys that clearly have the the measurables and the pocket presence that we didn't really have in previous years. But I would say if I had to rank, I I think I would still go Darnold 1, probably Rudolph 2, and then – in terms of being just a pro quarterback, I, I would say Falk from what I've seen. But then again, he yeah. threw five picks it's against crazy. Cal. So, you know, it's kind of tipping the scales back. Allen, I haven't really gotten much of a look at. I mean, clearly he's got talent throwing the deep ball and he's got just a cannon for an arm. But um, he's working at Wyoming. So until he really gets, you know, players around him, I don't think we can really grade him. So. He, he, he's someone to definitely keep an eye on. And then Rosen I've never really been a fan of at all, but that has a lot to do with his personality and kind of how he carries himself. Um, he is a gunslinger. He reminds me of like a Brett Favre type, but will that win you games with that personality in the pros? Who knows? I don't think so. But uh, a lot of scouts are hot on him. We'll see when we get to the combine, but I, I would definitely out of those that list of five I would say he's my least desirable. Yeah. But each of them has their weakness. I mean, Darnold right now is 15 and 9, 15 tutters, nine interceptions. Mason Rudolph's 19 and 4. But you look at the way this, the styles they play and kind of how they make their reads and who they're throwing to. I mean,. Oklahoma state's got the best wide receiver crew in the country.
0: I think defense is too who they're playing against right, versus yeah. some of the good Pac12 D's.
2: Like the Big 12 you're spreading them out almost every play with five wide so you're not throwing into double coverage, you're not, you know, trying to squeeze a ball into a tight window or timing, it's more which of these five guys is wide open. So but I, I think Darnold, Darnold's definitely going to turn it on at the back end of the season like he did last season.
0: Yeah, his mobility, too, is another underrated yeah. part of his game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's deep. And I think next year's combine is going to be very fascinating to see hopefully all these guys throw and work out. Definitely. Uh, and see, I think we are about five or six deep at the uh, quarterback position. All right, Money Mitch Effect, Rob Crowder. Let's look at some games this week because finally we're back to some bigger games. I mean, there were all those upsets last week, but I think we can look at, at some this week of some ranked proportions and see. But there is a game I want to ask you if you're feeling the upset wave. Does Syracuse keep it going? Do they beat another undefeated team in the ACC? Do they go into Miami and do it two weeks in a row?
2: I think uh, I think they're going to be brought back down to the ground after okay, this but one. But do I, they cover, though? That's the important thing. Do question. they cover? Well, We're... what, the line's at minus 16 for yeah, Miami? And... I still don't think they cover. I, I think this is going to be a letdown after like the biggest win you've had and arguably you know, a decade potentially. So yeah, I guess we're not
0: in Kansas anymore. We're not in the carrier dome. anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might be one of those moments. Yeah. I would like to see them become a competitive team under Dino Babers and not this team that just randomly wins one crazy game against a ranked team at home every year. Last year's arena tech. This year was a more extreme example in Clemson, but I don't know. Miami also isn't, I would say Syracuse has a chance to cover. Call mm-hmm. me crazy, but I don't know that Miami is as good. They've had a lot of things go their way too. So, two yeah. really close victories in the last two weeks by the skin of their teeth. I think they're going to win again, but this could be closer than we think. Got to talk Penn State. I mean, this is this is huge for the Big Ten. We have another big game between these two schools. Penn State's got to go to Ohio State the week after, so the season, the playoff push really starts now. And for all for how well Penn State finished the season last year, this was the team that put it on them last year. Michigan won this game big you like Penn State in this one? It's at Happy Valley, night game. Nine and a half point favorites. Does Penn State keep it going?
2: Well, I I think they do. I mean, you look how Michigan played Indiana. That game got drawn out way longer than it needed to, and I'm just not sold on Michigan this year. I mean, I think Penn State really is going to just let loose Barkley in this one and, and try to try to pound it out because Michigan's just not as consistent as, as they have been in fa- past years.
0: I got Penn State winning this game, but I do think it's going to be close. I don't think Penn State covers Michigan. Mm-hmm. Their defense is good. I, I think in the Big Ten in these games and Penn State's ability to keep it close and sometimes play to the uh, level of the competition, I don't think McSorley is going to gash this Michigan defense, mm-hmm. but this is the Barkley game. This is 200 yards, yep. 30 carries, give me the ball. S- statement and, game. And Michigan's offense, I'm. there's a lot to be disappointed at because you paid Jim Harbaugh all this money to try to win you some games. And they haven't finished in the top two in their own division of the conference in, in since he's taken over. But that offense just looks anemic and he's an offensive guy. That's what I don't understand. And I don't know. I think Happy Valley night game. We don't know. Do we know if Spates playing or is O'Corn still the guy?
2: I haven't I haven't seen the the update on that, but man, if you're Michigan, uh, this, O'Korn is, night, this is O'Corn at night in Happy Valley?
0: Like I Yeah. I might talk myself into the Penn State play here, but I just don't think they have the offense there and i think penn state's too tough and Jim franklin at night especially over penn state i think they get this shot but
2: yeah i don't think they'll cover but uh, i think it's i think it's going to be a close game but i think penn state's got it in the back
0: now, the other games that I wanted to get to, uh, I mean, there's some, there are some one-sided games. Like, I don't think we're going to do- go against Kansas, TCU, <laughs> 37 Murder. points. Yeah. Almost like Alabama, Tennessee, 34 points.
2: Oh, man. This is, I, I mean, we can start playing the violin now because this is Butch's last game you think as so? Tennessee head coach. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, there's too much disappointment around the program. They're getting How decommits. How is he not fired
0: like, already, though? Like, this is just a walk-the-plank moment.
2: Yeah, I, I think it. I think it honestly has to do with just that's the Tennessee fan base, and like, yes, they want him out, but like the way that the Tennessee athletics is, is structured, they just they don't want to create that panic just yet. But if you fire him after you lose to Alabama, rather than if you fire him after you lose to South Carolina, then it's oh yeah, well it's time, you know, right. instead of oh snap, we just lost to the Gamecocks.
0: So are they behind the gun at all right now? I mean, I guess it's still early enough to get your coaching recruits that if you wait this week, I guess it doesn't affect you. And I only ask that because two rumors that I had heard, well, one, an obvious connected dots, is Washington State's AD just moved over to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Leach has denied it, but when have you known a coach, to be honest? Yep. So Leach could be the guy, and that was a rumor in Tennessee's hat. But the other thing is the rumors are starting. One of my dark horse plays that may or may not come through Chip Kelly, UCLA, that rumor is already rumbling. Now, yeah. He's as sought after. There's a lot of schools that are interested in him. I'm assuming UCLA is one of many, but I know Tennessee wants him. So I'm wondering if they wait this out a little too long, they might miss their guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible. I, uh, what's funny is if you look at, like, the Tennessee social media accounts, there's a lot of groomers going on. Jay Gru- or, uh, uh, <laughs> John yeah, John Gruden, or yeah. John Gruden. I mean, yeah. Which uh, I think is a moonshot and it's not going to and... happen. Yeah. I mean, I from from the one big Tennessee fan I know, potentially Mike Gundy. They've mm-hmm. already courted him once, and he's been said to have been pretty much almost there, except at the last moment he jumped out. But the way that Oklahoma State season's going, you know, you'd say, well, there's no way in hell. Is but, that an
0: upgrade right now? No, but what well, is he playing, playing for the long term? Well, no,
2: if he's playing the long term, you're losing Rudolph, you're losing mm-hmm. Washington, you're losing Aitman this year. Like, that... That's yeah. enough of a rebuild that Gundy might just say, hey, I'd love to start with a new team. And if you're in SEC country, you're going to be pulling higher recruits. I mean, Oklahoma State has the highest number of Texas boys on the roster for a team that's not in Texas. Yeah. So clearly he can recruit. So put him in SEC country, yeah, I think he steals some people. But getting him <laughs> tall order, I mean, you see what he's done at Oklahoma State. And he's an with alum. I mean, that's and he's thing. an alum. He's a rattlesnake hunter, a dove hunter, you know, like – He's, in, he's a pig in slop right now, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I, I know we might be removing Petrino from that list, given how they've struggled. Uh, I don't know if he's still in, in the running there as well. If it's Gruden, and I don't know that it's very possible or more than a pipe dream, but I did like the scenario of Gruden then uh, Jim Bob Cooter as his OC.
2: Oh, yeah, that so would be interesting. that would work.
0: He's a guy that got his start. Also like Gruden, first job ever in coaching was at Tennessee as a grad assistant. So I don't know. Well, let's talk about your game. Texas and Oklahoma State. Now, not a pushover. I want to caution you with that. Not a pushover. Oklahoma State is a touchdown favorite on the road against Texas, who has looked a lot better recently. Does this worry you at all? Does this have trap game feel at all?
2: Does it worry me? Yes. Big time. But at the same time, I look at how they played against Maryland. Mind you, it was, you know, I think week one. But maryland was having its will with the deep ball against texas and who's better at the deep ball than oklahoma state nobody in the country so i think i think the pieces are there for us but this is a bad time to be playing texas coming off of that almost win against ou like they have confidence they know they can they can play against a you know a heisman hopeful and baker mayfield now they're facing a less mobile version of him and rudolph but who throws the deep ball so I think I think the biggest the biggest key here is their big D line facing up against a beat up Oklahoma State offensive line who's had four different injuries in two games to their own line. So, am I worried? Yes. Do I think we'll win? Yes. But is this a game where we could potentially poop the bed, big time?
0: First of all, anytime there's seven or more as a spread in the Big Twelve. I immediately think the underdog is going to find a way to cover, even if it's a touchdown in the last minute. Yep, You've seen more of these games than anyone. and You know oh, yeah. how this works. I have a feeling that in the over-under in this game, it's funny, it's 65 points. That sounds about right because I don't think Texas is that complete pushover defense. I have a feeling that Oklahoma State, maybe more so than often, is going to have to grind out some longer drives. Yeah, I like you guys to win this game by about six or seven points. I do think that Texas isn't just quite there, and the health of their quarterback who got – Banged up pretty good at the end of that Oklahoma game too, but yeah, the concussion that yeah. wasn't a concussion, and,
2: and the fact that it's a nine a.m. kickoff. If you watch Oklahoma State, they perform better early and in, in better the to just wake up. I guess they're morning people. Get up, it's game day. I mean, that's <laughs> how it works.
0: I did have uh, an upset pick this week. Not maybe not an outright upset pick, but if Oklahoma is a thirteen and a half point favorite against Kansas State. Kansas State's going to keep this very close. I would I wouldn't write Oklahoma in to just roll over anybody at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this kind of is a callback to what I was saying earlier, to where their speed defense and like when you're playing against K State's offense, they got some big boys up front and they can lay the lumber. So I I, I think they're going to struggle late in the game, and and this is more of a can K State keep it close so they don't have to change their offensive game plan? If OSU, if OU, sorry, if OU jumps mm. on them early. I, I think the game's over because K-State's not a team that can dig out. But if K-State keeps it remotely close near the end of the game, oh, man. It sounds
0: like you're describing every nightmare K-State OSU game. Yes, you've yes. Had. I. I you, you said even more than Oklahoma, they give you more nightmares than anybody just playing them and even yeah. if you're the favorite. It's a style that is like a perfect foil for this conference.
2: Yeah, they're the Georgia Tech of, of the Big 12 in the sense that, like, they play a way that you have to scheme against. And if you don't have the right players or you're not – you're not doing the right things. They'll gash you every time. They, they aren't a big play offense, but when they play against us, they somehow are.
0: <laughs> Is this like a weekend at Bernie situation for Bill Snyder? Like, yeah, I yeah. wonder. Yeah, I don't know. He's been he's, he's been around so long. I've lost track of how many times he's been in and out of coaching. But I mean, it works.
2: And, and to that effect, I think I think you've got Bill Snyder going up against you know Lincoln Riley. So it's old old money versus new money. Yeah. So how do the styles play in? <laughs> We're gonna see, but. If I was going to pick a, a, a sleeper game right here, it, it would definitely be this
0: one. Yeah. Last game to talk about, Rob Crowder, Money Mitch Effect, USC Notre Dame, and another one. This is a, as good a matchup as we've had in recent years with this rivalry. Two teams with one loss. This is basically your elimination game. And it's also, in USC's case, I know it's a dangerous game, but this is your sch- strength of schedule builder. This could pay dividends for them if they're one of these one-loss teams. Trying to angle in for a playoff spot. That said, the Irish, since losing to Georgia by just one point at home, have looked pretty good. Beat down Michigan State. Have played some pretty subpar teams. I don't know if USC can afford the slow start against the Irish.
2: Yeah, I kind of see this game as potentially being one of those high-stakes shootouts that they were famous for late in the year last year. I think I think you're going to really see a Notre Dame team that's that's ready to play and they're they're at home playing against Darnold who who really needs to prove himself and is probably going to force some throws. I, I, I think, you know, if I had to pick the Lions Notre Dame minus three and a half, I think that's just right. I, think, like it's gonna be, I think it's going to be a three-point game, but uh, in terms of over-under, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one.
0: I kind of like SC in the upset here. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it is I don't know what Notre Dame is against a team that can really put up points. The Georgia game was a very well-played game by the Notre Dame defense. Georgia was still kind of figuring it out. They're rolling now. But that's a different style completely, an SEC team that wants to play time of possession, grind out points. Yeah. Did their defense have enough – did they have enough firepower on their defense to counteract Arnold, those receivers, those running backs? Yep. I think oh, I like SC here in the upset.
2: Yeah, I mean, this one – this is one, if I was a betting man, I would not even come close it's to It's tough, it. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't – it's a close line. It's two teams. Anything can happen. It's a primetime game. fighting Irish at home. Touchdown Jesus looking over your shoulder. It's dangerous here, but could be. It's going to add to the legend of Darnold one way or the other. They will remember this game. So That's going to do it for this week. Rob Crowder, this was fun. Thanks for coming back. It's been too long since we've talked some college football.
2: Yeah, definitely definitely looking forward to talking more about this this year cuz wow, I don't think we've had a better season so far leading up to it.
0: No, 19 teams by our count maybe more still alive for the playoff picture. We're going to lose a few this weekend though. Yep. So, we'll see. But Rob, thanks again for coming on the show. Always That's going to do it for today's show. Big thanks again to both guests, Rob Crowder and Tom Weisenbach. Appreciate them hopping on the show. Uh, Yeah, I wish I would talk more baseball right about now, but the Indians, geez, they uh, they just couldn't get the job done. But we will preview the World Series next week. You're not going to want to miss that. The Yankees just will not die. They just will not flush, uh, so to speak. But a lot of heart on that team. The Astros are good as well. We'll see what happens in the AL in the best of three series now as it's tied 2-2. And the LA Dodgers at the time of this recording one game away from the World Series. They uh, went on that big losing streak and now forgot how to lose in the playoffs. 6-0 now. They're one game away from sweeping Chicago Cubs getting to the World Series. So we'll see what happens there. And then I do want to say NBA season started yesterday with the Warriors losing to the Rockets by one point. But the bigger story is prayers up to Gordon Hayward hoping for a quick and speedy recovery. Terrible, terrible, gruesome injury. A dislocated, fractured ankle. So prayers up to Gordon. Hopefully he uh, recovers quickly. You, know, you never want to see that. It's bigger than just wins and losses at that point. But and also shout out to Roger Federer, four and zero against Rafael Dahl this year. He wins the Shanghai Masters. I got to throw that in there as well. But that's it for the Money Mitch Effect. You can find all the episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect. Leave a rating or review. Subscribe there. Do whatever you want. I'm just happy that you're listening to this show and then hopefully spreading the word to all your friends and families i know anyone that listens to this show has a lot of friends so definitely spread the word But that's the money mitch effect until next time we got a couple more shows to discuss this month all right, thanks for listening keep enjoying sports keep loving life and i'll see you next time you'll be hearing from me soon thanks again